My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Meredith about overcoming multiple chemical sensitivities. Meredith's health collapsed after working in a salon environment as a hairstylist, where she was repeatedly exposed to chemicals that released formaldehyde. She found herself completely unable to work, housebound, and at times bedbound. This repeated chemical exposure led to a complete lack of tolerance for any chemicals. Fragrances, passing cars, detergents, even a lingering scent on someone's clothing could set her off. Meredith went down every avenue she could think of trying to find a way out of this mess and ended up discovering neural rewiring or brain retraining. This involves building new neural pathways by finding ways to calm the nervous system and consciously elevate your mood. After going to an in-person program, Meredith started to have improvements immediately and is now 80 to 90% recovered. And she cites this neural rewiring as the main factor in that recovery. This conversation was really my introduction to neural rewiring or brain retraining. I'd heard of it before, but I didn't really know what it was. And I'll admit that I had sort of a negative feeling about it. As someone with a chronic illness, my impression of neural rewiring was that people were trying to sell this idea that you could think your way out of being sick. And I had an aversion to that assumption. But after hearing Meredith's story and hearing how well this worked for her, it really changed my opinion about neural rewiring. I, I realized that I just didn't really know what it was. And in fact, there are elements of it that are things that I have been saying on the podcast all along. You know, this idea that joy is cumulative and that by trying to find ways to add more joy to your life, you can start to feel happier overall. From what it sounds like talking to Meredith, uh, neural rewiring sort of formalizes this into a program that people can follow. And it involves understanding your own neurochemistry and uh, recognizing if you are in a fight or flight state, an anxiety state, and trying to find tools to move yourself into a calm, relaxed state or a happy state. And that by doing this over and over, you can start to build pathways in your brain so that your brain will start to do it for you. And you don't have to consciously put in the effort. And over time, you will start to see overall improvement in your physical and emotional well-being. That's sort of my understanding of it after talking to Meredith. You know, I have not personally uh, read about this or gone through any programs myself. So, you know, I'm just sharing a story from someone in our chronic illness community who has um, found recovery through this process. And I'm always excited to share anything that might help anyone because, you know, Every single person's journey is different. Our needs are different. So as the creator of this podcast, you know, I'm trying to just bring you a little bit of everything. And I'm not trying to advocate for any one specific avenue for people to go down because I know that that will be different for everyone. Uh, But hey, I think it's really cool to share a story of someone who has found benefit from something and tell you about what that thing is put that in your brain and you know i it it's been sitting in my brain since i've had this conversation and i've been sort of thinking about okay what mental state am i in could i be calmer could i be more relaxed could i be happier in this moment and i i find that that's kind of a nice way to approach um 
how I'm feeling throughout the day and uh, try to be in a happier, calmer state. So, you know, I, I think this is, there's some cool ideas here that I'm really excited to share. And I'm thrilled that Meredith came on the show and was willing to open up about her journey and give us a glimpse into what this has been like for her. So it's a great conversation and we'll get to it in just a couple minutes. I have a couple of thank yous to share this week. First of all, thank you to Brooke who sent Andy and I a really lovely holiday message, and I was so touched by that. Thank you so much, Brooke, for reaching out. I really appreciate it. I was so surprised and really touched by that. And also a huge thank you to Danielle, who sent in a very generous donation in support of the of the podcast and of my work here on Major Pain, and I was totally floored by it. So, Danielle, I, I couldn't even believe it. Thank you so much for the support. Um, really means a lot. I know I talk a lot about Patreon on this show to support the podcast financially, but I, I almost never mention, uh, I always forget to mention that there is also a PayPal that you can donate directly to the podcast one time if you just really enjoyed an episode and you want to send uh, a tip as a thank you to the podcast, you can always find us on PayPal using the email address majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of Patreon, thank you to our Patreon community for continuing to support this show financially. Extra special thank you to our Patreon producers supporting the show at the top tier of $25 per month, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Patreon actually just made a really exciting change to the platform that I'm thrilled about. So the way it used to work is that when someone signed up on Patreon, uh, let's say they signed up on the third of a month. They wouldn't be charged until the first of the next month. So I would always wait to send out our gifts that I send to people who sign up at the $7 per month tier and the $25 per month tier. We have some physical gifts that I send people. And, you know, just to cover the cost of shipping and all that, I would always make sure to wait until after the first of the month. But Patreon has finally changed that policy. So now when you sign up, on Patreon, you'll be billed a month from that point. So let's say you sign up on the third, you'll be billed on the third of each month. And then I can just send your gift right away, which is really exciting. So there's never been a better time to sign up on Patreon. We have great gifts, recognition on the podcast, and of course, our monthly bonus episodes with myself and my partner, Andy, which are so much fun. We now have a really great library of bonus episodes for new Patreon subscribers to dive through. So I really hope you will check out our Patreon campaign to support the ongoing creation of this podcast. You can find all that information at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. Another great way to support the show is by signing up to participate in research studies and surveys through Rare Patient Voice. Use our link, rarepatientvoice.com slash majorpainpodcast to sign up and you will be paid an average of $100 per hour to participate in research studies and surveys. When you sign up, you tell them what your diagnosis is, and then they will connect you to these uh, studies and surveys for you to participate in. And if you do participate, then you get paid. And I've heard from people that they have participated in several studies and been paid multiple times, and it's a really great source of supplemental income. When you use our link to sign up, you will be sending a tip to this podcast. Uh, I get an Amazon gift card every time someone signs up, and it just happened this week. So thank you so much to whoever it was out there who signed up for Rare Patient Voice. Those gift cards add up, and I, it's really appreciated, especially in the holiday season, because I have some gifts to buy. So that extra, <laughs> that extra bit of income right now is very, very much appreciated. I hope you are all enjoying the holiday season. It is snowing up here in Seattle. 
And I, I have been lucky recently with my health being, uh, you know, going up and down, but sort of in the upward direction. And I was lucky enough to have a good day yesterday where Andy and I were able to go for a walk out, out in the cold. And it was just so great. I haven't chosen to go for a walk for fun uh, in, a, in years, a really, really long time. Normally, when I go outside to get some fresh air, I do it in a wheelchair. And I'm not talking about, you know, walking to get somewhere, which I've been able to do a few times recently, like walking to the grocery store, which has been great, but just walking for fun. That's just something I just haven't done in years. So yeah, that was that was a real victory for me yesterday. And of course, I'm feeling it today, not doing great today. <laughs> but you know, that's the trade-off when you are trying to claw your way out of chronic illness. Whenever you take a step forward, the next day you will likely take a step back. So I'm just trying to take it easy today, finish up the podcast and relax, enjoy the beautiful scenery outside with all the, the everything covered in snow up here in Seattle. And just hold on to that positive feeling of having made a real achievement yesterday. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still moving upwards. I don't know how far I can go. And I'm at this place where I, you know, I really don't know which medication I'm taking is causing the most benefit or if it's my low histamine diet or this mast cell activation medication. Uh, so I don't know. I, I still don't know where I'm at, but I know that it's better than where I was. And I'm very grateful for that. And I hope to keep moving in that direction, moving into the new year. I also want to say, you know, uh, it is the going to be the third night of Hanukkah tonight. And I am Jewish. I'm not a religious person, but I am culturally Jewish. I celebrate Hanukkah. We've been lighting the lights over here, which is just, you know, such a wonderful tradition that I I just feel so much connection to my childhood and to my heritage when I do that. And there has been this rise in anti-Semitism and, you know, hate crimes against Jewish people recently. And I just feel like it's important to, you know, use this platform that we have built together to say, hey, I'm Jewish. That is a huge part of who I am. That's where my ancestors come from. And I am proud to be Jewish. And it's scary to be uh, living in a time where People are feeling like they have to hide who they are to not be attacked. And that is not okay with me. Scary things are happening in the world to a lot of different communities. And we all have to stand up for each other and be there for each other, have empathy for each other. We don't all need to be the same. You know, we can all respect and appreciate each other without having to conform to be one thing. So I don't know. An important thing to keep in mind in this holiday season when people are celebrating different holidays. Um, let's just let everyone be with their families or chosen family, love each other the way that they want to and love who they want to. So instead of fearing and hating other people because they are different, you know, it's really time for humanity to move beyond that and to just learn about each other's differences, understand each other and learn how to accept each other and move into our future together. I'll remind you as always that my guests and I are not medical professionals. Do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our fantastic conversation with Meredith about recovering from multiple chemical sensitivities with neural rewiring. Meredith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's exciting to be talking to a fellow Pacific Northwesterner. I can even see the trees out your window. 
Familiar territory. Yes. Yes. It's cold up here right now. It really is. Uh, out of sight, I am completely swaddled from you know, <laughs> belly button down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing a tank top. I got the heat a little <laughs> too high in my apartment. <laughs> That's a great part about living in a studio apartment. You know, it heats up nice and easy. But right. uh, whenever I go outside, it's like, wow, it's cold. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Well, let's get to know you a, a little bit before we jump into your health story. So, Meredith, why don't you tell us about yourself? Well, a few things to know about me and my life. I have uh, worked as a hairstylist for upwards of 25 years. Wow. Uh, yes. <laughs> I started uh, when I was a wee thing before I even graduated from high school. I was doing a, a program while I was doing high school and beauty school simultaneously. So the moment I could start doing hair was um, what I wanted to be doing. I also have a background in I've always been really interested and involved in athletics. So I've played all kinds of different sports. I um, used to run track and play softball and soccer all growing up. I um, used to play roller derby. I was into triathlons. Um, And then I just, uh, anything where I could kind of throw my body around and uh, play is what I wanted to be doing. So that that was a lot of my time was that I worked a ton and I, I played a ton. And um, there's a little bit more to me than that, but those are kind of the, that's, that's <laughs> how I how I went through the world a lot of the time. Awesome. Yeah. And I've, I know from your uh, TikTok that you're a bit of a retro sci-fi David Bowie nerd. <laughs> I, <laughs> Those those are very much some common themes in my uh, in in the way that I like to view the world or express myself. I I love all kinds of pop culture. I love David Bowie through and through. Um, I like to play dress up sometimes. I in my in my in my new in my current life. Yeah, playing. Uh, playing creator and just sort of throwing around the ropes in, in making TikToks and sketches that may or may not make any sense. Like I've just really gotten <laughs> into this, <laughs> this creative space. Uh, that's just sort of my, my current art, which was something that ended up being quite therapeutic for me. And it's been really fun. I, I remember one in particular, I just loved, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Was it Ghostbusters theme? Did you do? A I Ghostbusters did do a, a Ghostbusters theme. That was my uh, Halloween uh, project last year. Mm, okay, I think that was the one where I was like, "Wow, this is a this is a cool perspective that I can relate to." <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, yeah. let's let's. Uh, I I know very little about your health journey. I don't even know your diag your diagnosis or if you have one. So I'm excited to jump into this. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about. Um, a piece of your journey, which piqued my interest and made me want to talk to you on the show. But let's get into it. So, Meredith, what is your major pain? Well, I have multiple major pains, like many people with chronic uh, illness. A lot of us have multiple diagnoses if we have the luxury of knowing what our pains are called. Mm. Um, Some of mine are in the category of um, what I would refer to as like a limbic system impairments or maladaptive stress responses and some of the common expressions of the of, that manifest in these conditions would be anxiety or panic disorders 
chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, I did experience some types of chronic pain. Um, I was not diagnosed with fibromyalgia, but I, I checked a lot of those boxes. Mm. Um, I had uh, pretty incredible food sensitivities. I had uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And my chief complaint um, was uh, multiple chemical sensitivities. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, <laughs> there's a little sample there for you. So I was um, working in a salon environment where I was being uh, repeatedly exposed to chemicals that release formaldehyde. Mm. And so I was um, being, well, gassed, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> and uh, led to a, um, a collapse in my health where I was in quite a state. I was housebound and at times bedbound and was in a lot of distress. And the first year was the hardest. The second year was a close second. And um, I would say now I am 80 to 90% recovered. Wow. What, what about before, your, before this struck? I mean, you mentioned being yeah. very athletic. Mm -hmm. Had you had any health issues throughout childhood? Or did this kind of hit you out of nowhere? Can I say both? So I had, <laughs> I would say in my early 20s or 20, some, 19, something like that, I had the Epstein-Barr Oh virus. yeah, mono. I had mono. And so that was probably the first time I had ever been really laid out by something like that. Hmm. And I recall it took me quite some time to feel maybe six months or even a year. I wasn't, I wasn't laid out for a year, but to where I felt like my energy levels had completely recovered. So I think, wow, I mean, there's some long. series. Yeah. I, I didn't work for a few months maybe even as many as six months, I started working back part-time and then eventually was back to just being my exuberant all over the place, you know, <laughs> felt like my energy was an endless well, um, mm. which it was not. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, um, and how old were you when that happened with mono? I want to say maybe 19. Oh, wow. Okay. So maybe, uh -huh. maybe your body has some inherent you know, viral chemical sensitivities that when you're not exposed to these things, you function pretty well, but certain, certain exposures can kind of tip you over into this chronic illness territory. One, one theory would, is that, so for people who have, who experience chronic fatigue syndrome and have had Epstein-Barr in the past, so like there's the initial illness or injury that mm -hmm. the body goes into like a heroic effort to to mitigate, right? Yeah. And so it can take a long time to recover. And so if you get tipped into something similar, like a, an overly stressful environment situation or combination of these things, there's a part of the body that remembers and the, and the, the brain and the body are like, oh, I'm way ahead of you. I know just what to do. I'm going to lay you out. Mm. <laughs> Even though it's an, like, it, it, it can be kind of an overcorrection. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's totally. A, like that's a thought around it. I know that there are a lot of different theories, but that makes sense to me when the the body has uh, some the or the brain has some patterning in it that we've done something like this before, and we're just going to go into this 
this pattern again. Yeah, interesting. I mean, in these areas where science is not caught up to reality, you know, patients are often left to use their intuition to kind of fill in the gaps about this is what it felt like to me. Um, Yeah. yeah, And then try to find some way to express that to doctors and get help. (laughs) Right. 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 So, okay. So you have this chemical uh, reaction to, well, chemical reaction sounds like something else, but you react to chemicals. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You react to chemicals in your uh, work environment and you're completely laid out. The first year was the worst. Were you going to doctors and trying to figure out what was happening or did you have a sense that it was chemical exposure that was causing this? I was doing uh, yes to all of those things. So (laughs) when I first was still feeling like I was functioning, like I was still upright and I was still going into this work environment that I would start having panic attacks, even when I would just start work walking into the building and Mm. seeing like just seeing the the pattern on the floor like my my body would i would start going into panic because my body would be like do not go in there because it was such a, a a toxic environment for me but i still i didn't understand what was going on with me i was still upright i could still work i could still go to the gym and deadlift to 200 pounds like i still <laughs> had all of this like physical ability but I, my sense of smell was uh, so acute and so distorted. And I felt this constant like fight or flight type energy. And it would kind of go up and down from day to day. I'd have good days, bad days, but it was always there. And so I started seeing a naturopath. Um, and this naturopath was starting to do treatments that would really help when, when I was there. It would bring me way down. Like my symptoms would come way down. I would, I mean, I'd walk in pretty much feeling so desperate. And by the time I walked out of there, I was like, okay, I've got this. I'm feeling better. But then I'd be white knuckling it from one week to the next, like just hanging on by my fingernails from one appointment to the next. And by the time I'd go back in, I was like, you know, on the edge again. And, and so um, I thought that that would make me better. And in the meantime, I was trying to figure out a different work environment where I could work solo, where I could have governing over the, um, the products that were being used and the air quality and, you know, have, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it in time. That's so interesting. Your body was like telling you this environment is bad. Don't go into here. And I can relate to that as someone who's like, my whole life had just bizarre, insane reactions to mold. You know, like if I go into a moldy room still, my body immediately tells me, you got to get out of this room, you know? And and it's really interesting to get that information from your body and then have to make an intellectual decision about what to do. And in my experience, you have to learn how to listen to your body and do what it tells you to do because, you know, our bodies have knowledge that our brains do not. It is, that is completely true. And what is also true. So I went into a state of listening to my body and listening to every single cue of my body. And also at the, at not knowing that not every single message is appropriate or accurate. That's so learning. So important. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Like how do you, and how do you determine the difference? So Mm. is this an amplified 
message? Is this a cross-wired message? Is this an act? Is this a message that I need to heed to right now? Mm, yeah, and that's so fascinating. It, totally. It, right. And it, uh, that, that's where the game started to change for mm. me. So when I went into complete collapse, like it was like, I got home one day, basically hit the floor and it was like, I know I can never go back into a salon environment again, but I didn't even know if I would ever leave my house again, you know? Wow. So I started to see a, um, a specialist in the Seattle area. And so who is a environmental um, illness specialist. And so <clears throat> he was very helpful. And I feel very lucky that with all, with the practitioners that I would see. So I, I saw, you know, a couple of different naturopaths, the specialist, another doctor, um, I was believed by all of them. Wow. I know how lucky that is. I never hear that ever. Right. right. Wow. That's shocking. <laughs> it's, um, and because by now I have listened to so many recovery stories and so like people go through decades often of people just not being understood or believed or heard. And so I, um, I feel very fortunate. I also ran into, not that I never had the experience of, you know, working with, with someone for a period of time, you know, a year in, and I'm still quite acutely ill. And they're saying things like you're doing all the, all of the things I was very compliant with all of the things that I was being told to do and not getting better. Like some things would get a little bit better and some things get a little bit worse. Something tells me a lot of people can relate to that. Like the <laughs> symptoms kind of morph and twist and change over time. Sure. And, but I was still not okay. <laughs> and so there's a little bit of this, like, well, you're, you're doing all the things, but are you sure it's not depression? I'm like, oh, I'm depressed. Like my situation <laughs> depresses the crap out of me. Like, you know, mistake about that. But, but I knew that it was like, you know, a chicken or the egg kind of a thing that my circumstances were depressing me and not that I couldn't get out of bed because I was depressed. Right. Like I was, right. I would give anything. Like, I want nothing more than to like hop out and do all the things that the way that I used to recognize my life, but uh, just could not, could not do it. Yeah, totally. And that is so depressing. And, it's and, so depressing. Yeah, and I, it's so interesting that there is this disconnect between doctors understanding that and blaming people for causing their symptoms by being depressed. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's incredible. It sounds like you never really had to push back against that too hard, that your doctors Not, trusted you, believed you, and wanted to help you. And w wanted to help. Wanted yeah. to help. And, That's awesome. That's so cool. But as far as some of the things that were being offered that were helpful for my conditions were on their own for me, not enough. Yeah. What type of things were being offered? Oh gosh. I did things like, as far as the chemical sensitivity stuff, it was like avoid exposures. I couldn't step out my front door and not avoid exposures. So as far like anything was an exposure, the, the, the tires on a car or a cardboard box that was off-gassing. I mean, just these sort of like benign things that someone would just see as a benign thing laying around would be something that was um, quite, I was experiencing as quite dangerous for me. 
let alone a person wearing perfume or or going to a gas station or something like I couldn't. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. just, it started with like this formaldehyde chemical oh, in, in yes. your work environment, but then it sounds like it morphed into all chemicals everywhere were starting to set you off. One, absolutely. Total yeah. loss of tolerance. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so and, and then you must so be so scary to leave your house. Yes. And then even in my home, I didn't feel safe. Like that yeah. was the safest place that I felt. But if, you know, the, the, mail delivery truck showed up that had a diesel um, engine would would pull in and that was like code red around my house or when my partner would come home from work even though we had switched every product in our house to completely unscented you know no voc anything um i could i mean i was like a werewolf i could smell like what he had been doing, who maybe he was with. Did you ride in a car with some, or did you talk to someone who that has an air freshener in their car? Oh, God. You know, it was, it was like, too, wow, it was, that's intense. Yeah, that's it extreme. Was, it was extreme. And so this is like way pre-pandemic, we were doing the whole like decon in the other room. Like remember everybody would come home and they would. Oh yeah, he take you know, all your clothes <laughs> off, put them in a pile. And this is the potentially someone breathed on me pile of clothing. Let's yeah. sanitize so, this, wash our groceries. Oh God, it was awful. We were doing that from the way, way back. Yeah. So, was, <laughs> so yeah, we would have all of this like full decon protocol anytime that he would come in the house. And so, yeah, we were doing all of that stuff but no hand sanitizer. That was, that was not a thing. Um, yeah, it was really, it was really intense. Like I could get a piece of mail and, you know, if it had, I could smell if the warehouse had uh, fragrance in it, in their packing facility. And not only could I just smell, like I can still smell that, but it won't send, send me into, into an episode. Um, I can still smell it. And I'm like, I don't know why you'd want that in there, but yeah. it, um, but some, anything like that would really send me into a state. What, what would your episodes look like? Oh, they were ugly. <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh, a big emotional, uh, like disproportionate, uh, emotional upset, mm. um, that came with it. So that, um, that was that big fight or flight piece coming in. So it could be rage. It could be tears. It could be, um, that I would, I would, it would feel like someone was trying to kill me. <laughs> mm. I mean, it would just put me into some terror. And then it would, uh, I always, my baseline was having these like pounding headaches that like, it felt like I was, I would describe it as being hit in the head, head with a hammer constantly. And it would go all the way down my spine. So I felt like that all of the time, but those would get just jacked up into the 11s. Um, so any any of my already existing uh, symptoms would just like the the dials would just get turned up. So like my the ringing in my ears would be so loud, I couldn't. It would be like I would have to yell to hear myself talk over it. Wow! But that feeling of yelling was too stimulating and too and take too much energy for me. And so then. <laughs> And then it would just, I would go from, I had pretty severe chronic fatigue. And so then I would just be laid out and asleep for whatever, 17, 18 hours a day for, I don't know, a week. I lose big swaths of time. I don't really yeah. know. Yeah. So, wow. So intense. What, it was you, intense. 
when you were going to that naturopath uh, who was making you feel better once a week, mm-hmm. what were they doing in the office that made you feel better? So that was, they were using something called NAET trait treatment. I have no idea what this is. I've never and heard of I, this. I, I'm excited. I wish I knew what the <laughs> what the acronym was for. So in it, in hindsight, it makes sense to me. Like after I have gone through the multiple um, uh, neural rewiring programs, it makes sense to me. Sense to me in hindsight, what kind of what what it was that was happening. So it's basically giving you a prompt of a a stimuli at a very, very low level, and then redirecting the focus and the energy of that stimuli so that the brain and the body start to not interpret it as a threat. Interesting. Okay. I looked it up while you were describing it. It's mm-hmm. Nam Budrapad's allergy elimination techniques. That sounds right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> N-A-E-T. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Tell it. Tell it. So, so this would help in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and would this naturopath use like a specific chemical? There's, there's, th- there's times where I have strong recollection about things and then times where it's very fuzzy. My brain yeah. fog was pretty like, absolutely. Yeah. I totally know what that feels like. I'm sure you might. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think she had all of these vials of things that I don't know if they actually had the innate substance in it, or if they were almost like a homeopathy type thing where it had the essence of that thing in it. I don't remember if she muscle tested me for it. I don't remember if she asked me, you know, food, chemical, whatever wise. I don't remember how we got to this list necessarily, but then we had sort of a list where she would, um, yeah, use the, the thing, the little vial to prompt me with. I don't think a vial was ever opened or I wasn't smelling things. It was like, maybe hold on to this and then we will redirect your, uh, the way that your body is interpreting this. Is, is it like uh, energy work sort of a thing? Um, I would be kind of guessing. I'm sure someone could maybe describe it that way. I would call it, I personally would call it reprogramming hmm. by, by using redirection. Yeah. So, so it's like your body's, stress response like your limbic system overreaction to this certain chemical it's like trying to consciously redirect what your body is doing around this certain substance by having the substance in the room um in a glass vial maybe like an essential oil or something uh some form of that substance and this actually reminds me so much of the naturopath i used to see who did muscle testing Mm -hmm. but it, it didn't do anything like what you're describing uh, but would use, had like all these vials full mm-hmm. of all these different substances that he'd use to muscle test me and then give me a new prescription. Well, not prescription, but new recommendations for supplements once a month to, and try to guide my body out of what it was doing. And this did not work for me at all. This actually made me nothing but worse and, and poorer. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I mean, but everyone, this is a different technique, obviously, and everyone's body is different and everyone's everyone's chronic illness is different. So um, anything that works for anyone, I'm excited to share because, you know, we're, we're all just like searching for something that helps. And sometimes it takes trying a bunch of different things until you find something that helps. Totally. And sometimes it's, 
cumulative. My experience was that things were cumulative. It wasn't that it was like one magic pill or one smoking gun. Like, wouldn't that be nice if we all just got to go, oh, this is the thing. Yeah. In in the history of this podcast, I've talked to one person for whom that was the case. Good for them. I mean, I know. know. Good for him. But just one out of, I think, 80 something shows. So, right. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, for me, we tried things like, aside from the, from the naturopath, I was doing things like uh, getting cranial sacral work done, which Mm -hmm. I found very therapeutic. Uh, I didn't know, I don't know that it made my symptoms diminish, but it actually allowed me to get into a very deep relaxation state that I was not capable of getting into on my own. Mm -hmm. Even when I was completely laid out, I felt like I was being chased by a bear. I like if a car was in neutral and somebody just threw a brick on the gas pedal and the engine was just going, that's how I felt all of the time, even when I could do nothing. Yeah. So I couldn't get out of that, that fight or flight response. And so going to getting the, going to this particular um, cranial sacral practitioner, uh, same thing with acupuncture had very similar experience with that, being able to get into that deep relaxation state Um, at the, the specialist that I was going to, we did detoxes. I had already been doing, uh, a food allergy elimination type stuff for many years leading up to this. Mm. Um, and so, but once I got sick, my food went, was already limited. And then it just went down to very, very limited. I was down to several foods and on a rotating diet and I still felt fucking terrible. Yes. <laughs> so I didn't trust any of the foods that I could eat. Uh, they were just ones that I hadn't tested. Mm. Yeah. So I know. So I had a lot of like trepidation about you know, and then all these you know behaviors that develop around food, the preparation, um, a lot of hypervigilant type stuff, and then so we did things like, uh, I I took a number of medications that were like, well, if you have this type of, maybe you have yeast overgrowth. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that helps. If um, we'll do this. Uh, these different bowel detoxes, we will do uh, sublingual um, allergy drops where you start incrementally kind of training around that and then using histamines to, to get your body to respond to these um, stimuli kind of in a similar way, but different approach to the NAET. So it's like you introduce it at this level that your body's not supposed to recognize it at and then change your body's chemical reaction to it. And then your body's supposed to start reacting uh, more positively to it. That was not successful for me. Um, We eventually got to the point where um, I remember being in the office and was just a devastated uh, sobbing version of myself. (laughs) And I was like, I like it. I don't know what else to do. Like I'm doing all the things and I feel terrible. And he was like, okay, we're, you know, we've done this, we've done that. We've trying these things. And one of the things that I had been doing was a uh, neuro uh, rewiring program from Australia. That was the first one that I did. And he said, you're doing, and you said, you're doing neuro rewiring. I said, yes. And he's like, which one? And I said, which one? He said, are you using this one? And he shows me this book. That's called Wired for Healing uh, by Annie Hopper. 
And I said, no, I, I've seen her name, but I haven't done that one because in my mind, I was already doing one. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to spend more time and more money and more energy doing what I thought was the same thing. And he said, try this one. It's, it's, it's the best in the business or something like that. And so, <clears throat> so he sent me home with that information. And then he also sent me home with another piece of information because he said that, you know, the next form of treatment that we would try was like two years of uh, allergy shots or some type of um, injectable therapy that were supposed to rebuild my immune system uh, like from the ground up for two years. And I didn't love the sound of that either. Yeah. <laughs> so as a, um, and I just couldn't even really take in anything else he said after that, like my ears were just ringing and in my mind, things were getting worse and not better. And so as a Hail Mary, I was like, okay, I got online and I started looking up this new book and I, um, new to me book and saw that this rewiring program had an in-person program and, uh, they happened to have a short notice availability open. And so I was like, screw it. I'm going to sign up for that. I don't even know if I can, if I'm well enough to get myself there or, or be there, but I have to try something. And so I went to, uh, this particular one was being hosted in Alberta, Canada. And I went there for four or five days. There were 20 participants with people just like just like me who had multiple chronic illnesses and they teach you all about neuroplasticity, how it relates to chronic illness. And they teach you how to apply it. It's basically like a very practical skill set of that whole brain body connection. They take the mystery out of it. They show you, here's the science, here's the science, here's the science, and here's how you work it. And I started having improvements like immediately. Wow. And not like, not like I went to go sprint down the street the next day or something, but whereas for the first year, you know, when you are looking for those even subtle changes and you're like, nope, still sucks. Nope, still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then to just notice that some of my anxiety was less or I didn't have nightmares for the first time in several months. And not only did I not have a nightmare, I had a very pleasant dream. Hmm. So things in my subconscious were changing. Um, start, I learned about incremental training about how to start introducing things on my own. It gave me, it gave me so much agency about my own recovery. I didn't have to wait from one doctor's appointment to the next to see, to, to feel like I could make any improvements. You know what I'm talking about when you're like, yeah, it's so interesting. I, I'm yeah. so curious about the specifics of, you know, is it like a meditation practice or, or I, I know nothing about any of this. So I'm, I'm curious to hear some details. Yeah, it's a lot to describe. And you might hear me jump around a bit because I have done four or five different neural rewiring programs. <laughs> Not everybody needs to do that. That's just what my journey has looked like. And now I'm so fascinated with it that I just really, enjoy learning about it. I, 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 as a, you're, I, I, if it was just a show on PBS, I would watch it, you know, I'm like, and tell me, tell me more about how <laughs> this, this brain and the, and the body are, are communicating in one of the programs, they would talk about it, that there are, are five different, that there are five main pillars. So it would be something like 
doing the main retraining practice, which I'll touch on in a moment. Um, and then it's things like doing things to deliberately elevate your mood and doing things to deliberately calm your nervous system down. So that could be a meditation or a guided meditation, but the main retraining is, is more, is more than that. Another one of the programs would talk about how I would say they have three pillars. There's the retraining, there's relaxing the, the nervous system and re-engaging with joy. So at different times, it's like, how am I implementing these things? Mm -hmm. When we have chronic conditions, there is a pretty darn good chance that we are hanging out the majority of the time in this chronic stress response. It is inherently stressful to be living with these conditions, right? We cope with them and we, we find um, ways to live with them, but the body is in a stressed state. The body is constantly trying to cope with the environment or how we feel internally. And so the, the fight or flight, the, the sympathetic nervous system is active. And when we are in the sympathetic nervous system, we are running stress chemistry in our body. That is going to be our, um, our cortisol, our adrenaline, um, nepinephrine, and that over a long period of time can be corrosive. So in an animal, an animal goes into a fight or flight response, they go, they run away from the cougar and then the chase is over. And then the body can go back into its regulated state, but we don't tend to do that. So if we can get the body into a state of rest and repair is when we're in the parasympathetic nervous state. <laughs> so that's when we are running our neurochemistry of dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and uh, endorphin. And so that is a very juicy chemistry for us to be in. So that's all those like lovey feelings, those feel good feelings, the chocolate feelings, like whatever those are. So when we're in that state, the body is running chemistry of rest and regeneration. Mm -hmm. So we learn how to harness these things about, okay, well, which chemistry am I running right now? What can I do to get into this, into this like rest and repair and regenerating state? So they teach you how to do that. That cool. was pretty science-y. Yeah. yeah. What, <laughs> can you give me a, an example of how to get into that state? Uh, without going into the, like, into the retraining steps, an example would be something like a meditation or guided visualization. A lot of people struggle with meditation because we're already in a state where, you know, our brains are going, no, 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 no. You know, we've got... <laughs> we're already like looping around all kinds of things. And so to just yeah. sort of sit peacefully, people are like, well, that was hard. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> so understandably. So going along with something that is a peaceful, pleasant, uh, not, a, not adrenalized visualization is a really nice, is a nice place to get into. So there, there is a, a a podcast that is called Happy Chill Fun Time, <laughs> who is from uh, another chronic illness recovered person. And so she, she took doing these sort of visualization exercises and put them into these sort of guided 
um, visualization. So it's like half meditation, half guided visualization, and it's just super relaxing. So mm-hmm. it's, you can just put your earbuds in, close your eyes and kind of play along with, with what she's putting out there. They're very relaxing, very dreamy. And you can just sort of relax and put yourself in, in the first person position of what she is saying. And it's a really nice place for the brain to hang out in yeah. because it, yeah, it's a break from, um, I know I had a lot of like ruminating and looping negative thoughts that I had a really hard time breaking away from. And so if I could go on a little journey like this, um, it really was a good supplement to the practices that I was doing. Yeah. So if I'm understanding this correctly, the the main idea of brain retraining is to sort of learn to understand the state that your body is in and then learn tools to kind of reset what state you're in, try to get you into that resting, relaxing state. And there is like a cumulative effect to um, like resetting your nervous system, calming your nervous system, putting some active energy into um, Mm -hmm. getting yourself into a, a calmer state so that your body will then start to just go back to a baseline that it has Mm -hmm. sort of forgotten how to do Mm -hmm. because of this like triggering chemical exposure or whatever it is, you know, for, for any individual with chronic illness or, or mental health uh, difficulty. Yeah. Is that sort of like the general idea? That's um, yes, that is a, that's a piece. A piece. Okay. What what are the other pieces? I mean, I think, I do think that you, you definitely captured what I was saying better than I was saying it. (laughs) 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 So good listening on your part. (laughs) And uh, I would say that there's more to like the, the programs themselves will do a better job of sort of saying what their hypothesis, what their hypotheses are Mm -hmm. than I'm doing. So um, I think what I was talking about was sort of my interpretation of how I put it sure. into practice. Yeah. I'm sure it's in- unique to each person as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, th- but for me, there's so much, there's so much information and so much to learn. And I found that for me, when I, I would, I would kind of harness in at a layer of healing and be like, okay, I've got this and I'd have a great big breakthrough. And then I'll get into another layer of healing. And I would think, okay, the tools that I was using feel like they feel like they need updating for this level of healing. And then I would get really caught up in the details or I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And then for me to just make it simple, I would come back to the state of the state of what neurochemistry am I running? Am I in the happy stuff or am I in the stressful stuff? Okay. I'm in the stressful stuff. What can I get? What can I do to get over into the happy stuff? Mm. Or what can I do to get into rest and repair? Yeah. Yeah. And so over over time, well, it sounds like you had some benefit right away. And then over I time, did. as you put this into practice, do you feel like, you know, you mentioned being, you know, 80, 90% recovered. Do you feel like mm-hmm. this is the tool that brought you back to that yes. place of recovery? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. How How long did that process take you? So... When I went to the in-person training, that I would say that the most profound 
curve of improvement was in the first three months, and then it still stayed at a very strong trajectory for in the first six months. For me, there was a lot of gains early on, and then when the when that margin gets smaller of um, what you're trying to accomplish, like sometimes it can taper a little bit. Sure, it's like it's like the last mile of a marathon is the hardest. You got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so I would say two of the of the several programs that I did, both of them will say to implement the programs. Um, for a minimum of six months mm-hmm. because you are changing longstanding patterns in the brain and in the body. So even if you are feeling great at three months in, keep doing it because it's so easy to slip into default patterns. We want to establish new neural pathways and want them to be the default mm. until they're just knowledge. Yeah. Okay. It's like running down the same path. Yeah. In the woods until you kind of build a trail. A trail. Yes. Yeah. And and then your your neural pathways will start to travel that trail without conscious effort after a time. You, exactly. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Or like putting up toboggan in the snow, that first run in the powder yeah. is like tough, but then pretty soon you're just cruising on groomers and it's fast and you're like, oh, I didn't even have to redirect it. I just went there. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so where are you at now in this process? Uh, what happens now if you have a chemical exposure? Um, I might, it depends on the exposure and it's a little, like I live an adaptive lifestyle now because of COVID. Like I don't get out in the way that I used to in mm. the world. So I, I can easily go to the grocery store and walk down the detergent aisle and nothing happens to me. It is the coolest thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's fine. Like I smell it and I'm like, yeah, these scents aren't for me, but they don't bother me at all. Um, I can, you know, I do hair out of my, my home. I have a emphasis on, you know, using, I'm very selective about what products that I use, um, because of their, um, ingredient transparency and their safety and what just, just because I'm feeling better doesn't mean I want to just go running into situations where I'm huffing a bunch of chemical vapor. Again, I'm not interested in that. (laughs) So like now, if I have someone who comes in, like I, I ask my clients to, um, I used to put people through a lot of rigmarole. I'm like, you have to use this kind of detergent. You need to wash your hair with this. You need to not be around X, Y, and Z. Like I put people through, like TSA had nothing on my clearance. Like I had <laughs> I put people through a lot. Now I can say, uh, just, yeah, come in as you are. Just please refrain from wearing perfume or heavily scented products. So just skip the cologne, skip the perfume, whatever you've got going on. I'll be fine. Sometimes people come in with something on where I'll think like, whew, that's a little intense for me. I do have ventilation. I, you know, I'm, I'm big on my air quality and stuff. Um, there's only sometimes here and there where I'll feel like I'm knocked back a little bit by someone's fragrance exposure. And it's, it's all right. Like I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah, here comes a little headache or I'll feel a little bit of malaise or something. I'll feel, I'll feel like a, a little bit of, like I have a hangover mm. a little bit is how I would describe it. Um, but I bounce out of it pretty quickly and easily. 
And I just continue to get better and better and more tolerant. Wow. That's awesome. It is awesome. It doesn't get <laughs> old at all. I love it. Yeah. I'm curious about, you know, you mentioned having a partner. Mm -hmm. So for a time you're doing this whole decon thing when you walk through the door, has this put stress on the relationship and, and what has that been like to, to, <laughs> you know, I asked this cause I know for myself that it, it's a whole thing of like being in a relationship where one person is chronically ill. Um, oh, has yeah. that been a process that you've had to consciously work at? Oh yeah. I mean, that changed our whole, that changed our whole game. Um, and so much credit to my partner, the amount of bandwidth he has is pretty phenomenal. Mm. I honestly, I can't say enough about, um, it, I, I was not easy. I, I did not, I was not necessarily an easy pe person to be around. It was not an easy situation to live with. There was a lot of uncertainty and, um, he just rolled with it like a champ. And so was it stressful? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he had some of his own journey and even though his, his, he had a history that was different than my experience, but he had this incredibly deep compassion about um, an understanding of what it is like to go through something mm. intense and um so he I, I yeah i think that that just that gave him a lot of a lot of room yeah do you think that mm -hmm. weathering this together has made you stronger mm -hmm. as a couple mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it put it it yeah it tested us <laughs> on a lot of levels <laughs> and i just i i think back and I think we're still unpacking some of this stuff, right? Like I came back from my in-person training and I had this whole, this whole different, like I still, I knew I had a lot of work cut out for me, but it was like, oh, I'm, I'm still in there. Like I'm, I'm going to be okay. I, because before that, I was not sure that I was <laughs> there were a lot of times I was just like I am I'm not I'm not okay and I couldn't really see a future for myself and but when I came back and I was I was so excited and then uh, he was excited but he had he had some reactions like just because I was all excited about things didn't mean that his experience in it was suddenly all changed too. Does that make sense? It was like, well, that's cool. You're excited, but I'm still like reeling from this. You know, I was in such survival mode that I had a real deficit in being able to see what someone else's experience was. A hundred percent. I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. When you're mm -hmm. in survival mode, the the way that you're behaving towards your partner can be very very rude outwardly and you have no idea no idea because right. you're just like i gotta get food in me and i have to get to the bathroom and you know yeah. I, I can't do these things i need your help and if you put any hindrance in my way of getting to those things i'm gonna snap at you because how dare you you know and it's really oh, hard yeah. to 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 recognize internally how you are presenting externally totally because it is it's it, it is survival and it's like moment to moment 
And I know that these were the rules yesterday, but this is the rule today. And all the <laughs> rules keep changing because I don't know what I need right now. <laughs> and <laughs> what have you done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And, yeah, we're still in repair from some of that stuff. Like it getting out of survival and getting into, okay, we've just been in crisis management over this and that and the other thing for a while. And the good news and the bad news is that we've gotten good at that, <laughs> but but let's get back to like, okay, let's get back into some nurturing of us and mm. our like partnership and let's have some playtime and let's go on some dates. Like, how do we do this again? Like we're really yeah. rusty at, <laughs> at some things, you know? Yeah. Well, partnerships ebb and flow and it sounds like you have a very strong yeah. partnership to weather that sort of a storm. Uh, and I'm so glad you had someone in your life with that much understanding and compassion. We should all have that. And, you know, when we're younger, I know when I was younger, I didn't know how to, to be that supportive to someone in that way. But then as we experience trauma ourselves and have to go through it and then process how, how did we get through it, when someone else goes through trauma, we then have tools to apply from experience to say, hey, you know, I might know how to support you because I've had to be supported. Uh, and that's like one of the foundational parts of being human and growing and experiencing and learning is figuring out how to grow your empathy button, you know? You know, nothing nothing is easy with chronic illness. No, but, but there are some gifts. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Like some, mm -hmm. sometimes, like you have this superpower to be able to smell where someone has been during the day <laughs> no, I, I, it's full it's like my origin story yeah. when somebody has like they're like why was i given these powers and then you have to like learn they're painful at first you have to learn how to harness them yeah. i still don't know how to use this for good and not i i, I I'm totally for that part of my story yeah and like your, your partner sounds like went through something that gave him the the power to support you finding joy is a practice that you have to learn how to do and when yes. you are severely challenged you kind of have to either figure out how to find joy for yourself or you fall into darkness sometimes Absolutely. it sounds to me like this whole uh brain retraining journey that you went on was sort of a guided way to do that to find joy in your life and to find a way to um you know gain some control over what you were going through and like retrain your nervous system to feel good again. It sounds like it was a really positive thing in your life. It's been so transformative and something that it applies to all of the areas of my life, not just this one. And, and it, it gave me so, so many tools. And then it gave me the understanding of the why so I'm someone who like, before I started doing rewiring programs, like I would, I couldn't always go out and walk. Oftentimes I couldn't, but I could go into my backyard and look at birds or I, I became bird obsessed. And I just knew that at least intuitively that, you know, it's not a big mystery that nature is very relaxing for people. And it was cultivating this mindfulness, which I didn't know that that's what I was practicing at the time, but I would feel 
you know, grounded and relaxed. And if I was focusing on the birds, I would take my attention away from my pain symptoms. And it was this shifting of awareness. And so I wanted to do that as much as possible, but I physically wasn't always up for doing that when I wanted to do it. So when I started doing the brain retraining, it was like, I started to learn why that works and how I can bring this in, in more ways and not have to wait for certain conditions to make it accessible for me. Mm. And, um, and then when I, as my capacity increased, then I could bring in more, more things. And how can I make this as joyful as possible? How can I make this as relaxing as possible? How can I make this as fun as possible, fun as possible while still keeping my nervous system relaxed yeah first for anyone who's interested in exploring this for themselves is that book that you mentioned earlier is that the starting point that you'd recommend it doesn't have to be the book itself is not the program it's about the about how the program came to be and so Mm. it sort of talks about it so it's not a it's not a requisite at all um there are four different programs that I would recommend to people. Um, I would check out ANS Rewire, which is Autonomic Nervous System Rewire, and that is by Dan Nuffer. He also has a book that's called CFS Unraveled, Um, but you can find him online because all of these programs have um, virtual workshops that you can do because they understand that so many people are either from all over the world, cannot, you know, a lot of us are homebound on some level and so need to be able to access this from a place that we can access from. Um, Most of them have a free introductory course. So it's either the first four sessions are free or first however many month is free. And I would start watching, um, some of the testimonials and recovery interviews, there's no shortage of them. So watching them and you're like, oh my gosh, that person sounds just like me. And you can hear and see how these programs have changed their life. Um, so I would check out DNRS, which is Dynamic Neural Retraining System. That is the one that I did the in-person training with. They don't do in-person training anymore since COVID, but they have tons, they have so many resources. It's such a fabulous program. And that's where I achieved probably 80% of my recovery was through that program. Uh, Another one is called the Gupta program. G-U-P-T-A is also a beautiful program. I was studying that program and was actually um, doing a coaching program through that program. I'm not a coach but I would like to be someday <laughs> uh, because this work was so profound that I just want to be involved with it. So that is another exceptional program. And um, another one is called the Optimal Health Clinic. And that was developed by, I think his name is Alex Howard. I've not done that, pro- that program in full, but when I was looking at that program, he had a ton of free uh, resources that were available online through like uh, Facebook and Instagram. And he just had a lot of resources out there and was um, really generous with it. And then there's all kinds of 
stuff on the sides and on the fringe. I could go on a, if you want a long book list, I can give you a great book list, but those are the four uh, core, core retraining programs that I would recommend. Awesome. And when people ask me, which one should I do? I would say, oh, whichever one speaks to you. Yeah. They're all wonderful. I know people who have recovered from all of the, from all of them. I personally know easily, easily 40 or 50 people who have uh, either fully or largely recovered from their conditions using these programs. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about uh, your hair products. I, yeah. I know that for anyone who is chemically sensitive, it sounds like you have some great expertise. Is there a brand that you find to be the safest or, or a direction you could point anyone in who's interested in finding hair products that might be good for someone with chem chemical sensitivities? Yes. I think that talking about chemical sensitivity is, uh, it's kind of like a spectrum. Sure. So like when I was at my peak of chemical sensitivity, uh, I couldn't handle anything that had a scent. Uh, essential oils were also on that list. So anything that emitted VOCs were no go for me. Um, so I think of chemical sensitivity as, um, it, I guess it depends on what level or how severe someone's state is, would be um, how I recommend products. So then there are people who are kind of in this, in this moderate where they say, I just can't handle any synthetic fragrances. So they can tolerate some essential oils products that have more uh, quote unquote natural ingredients in it, but just nothing with the harsh stuff. And then, <clears throat> so, so like if I have someone come in or reach out online about hair, about recommendations for products, I sort, I consult with them for a little while. And I, and based on what their descriptions are of like how they move throughout their, their day or their life, are, are you homebound or can you go into public places? Can you handle this? Can you handle that? And then based on those things, I can make some uh, specific recommendations. But as far as making broad, um, broad recommendations, if someone's like, look, I just need to shampoo and condition my hair with something that's not going to give me a migraine and stinks, then, <laughs> then there is a product line that is called Desert Essence Shampoo and Conditioner. They have scented ones, but they have a fragrance-free shampoo and conditioner. And you can get it at most health food stores will have it. It's um, not an expensive brand, but I like it just as well, if not better than a lot of professional lines that are out there in terms of performance. Awesome. Thank you for the tip. Yeah. I, know, I know that that is something that a lot of people struggle with. You know, um, my mom is very chemically sensitive and sensitive to scents. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I feel lucky that for me, it's just mold is the only thing that I have any sort of that's enough yeah well it's funny i mean mold <laughs> is everywhere and now that i'm you know being exploring uh mast cell activation syndrome it's the first time we've ever had like a potential explanation as to what's happening to me uh when i'm exposed to mold and that's really exciting but but i do have that experience of like walking into a room there being something in the room that makes me sick yeah. and then you know having to make all these decisions of what to do next it can be the worst if I'm staying in a hotel and it's, oh, yeah, like being, you, <laughs> mm -hmm. you walk in the yeah. hotel, it's like, okay, well, this is a musty room. I can't stay here. This happened to me when I was 19 
in Europe with my sister in in France, I think in Paris actually. Um, we just like were wandering the streets with our suitcases looking for a place that we could stay because the hotel we were going to was so moldy I couldn't stay there. Yeah. Um, it was an absolute nightmare. And things like that have happened to me over and over again throughout my life. I so feel that. Um, being Staying somewhere and feeling like you're trapped in there, hotel rooms have been so challenging. Yeah, And I, I spend time calling ahead places saying like, do you have a pure room? Do you have this or that? You know, do you use uh, chemical agents to clean the room? Or do you like, oh, we can just wash the sheets and just really hot water, <laughs> not use any stuff. Sometimes the room is fine, but then when you walk into the lobby, they're spraying perfume into the lobby to enhance your, you know, experience there. And I'm like, why would you? <laughs> yeah, totally. It can be, oh, it can be quite intense. So I, I really feel you when you walk into an environment and you're like, oh, I don't think I can stay here. And I've had to leave at times. Yeah, totally. I've had to leave many times. Yeah. It, it, now I know to just look for me, I can just look for someplace that's new. Um, and that that has just been a game changer. You know, just like if it's a new environment, there probably isn't mold. And for me, that works, you know? Yes. And then if it was built after 1990. You're good. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> after after 2010. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I feel reasonably confident. And I will spend time like calling around places I'm going to go stay, asking when the building was built. <laughs> and try yeah. and like, okay, well, that's an old one. Do you know if there are any new hotels in your neighborhood? That sort of thing. But the other thing that's so interesting is because of COVID, it's now normalized to wear a mask in public. Mm -hmm. So that's helped me a lot as well. A big yeah. one is actually, you know, I just got back from a trip to Disneyland and uh, in, when I was, I, I don't know, high school or college, you know, I grew up in San Diego, so we went to Disneyland all the time. And one time I had a severe reaction to Pirates of the Caribbean because it's Ooh. like a musty, moldy environment. Swampy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're underground in a swamp and it's water <laughs> everywhere. Um, I ended up in the Disneyland clinic. Because I like was like started having this crazy reaction from like muscle spasms and all this stuff, um, and it was a fairly traumatic experience. But I just went back there, and so I avoid that ride like the plague, obviously. But I just went sure. back there, and I had my mask with me and my COVID mask. You know, all my masks are made by my mom, and they have like two layers of fabric, and then I put a a Merv filter inside that uh -huh. is actually rated against mold. So I went on that ride for the first time in forever, and just like hugged this mask to my Let's face seal it up. yeah <laughs> yeah and i was and i made it and i was okay um, oh that's awesome yeah of course i it was so stressful um and just like i just was so nervous that mold was gonna leak through the size i'm like okay i can do this but i may be able to choose not to in the future because it's i don't want to take the risk but but it's interesting to be to have that option now when when you're having a reaction for anyone with any sort of uh, environmental sensitivities, you can have a mask in your pocket and people aren't going to really think twice. Whereas back when I was like in high school, if I'd pulled out a mask to go on Pirates of the Caribbean, I would have gotten a lot of weird looks. Yes. Yes. Did you have, were you masking pre-pandemic because of mold? No, no, it had never even occurred to me. It had mm. never occurred to me. And I've done it. I've masked for mold many times since COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's such a cool option that I just never would have thought of before. You know, it's like, so sometimes those things that are socially awkward that you yeah. need to do, you just yeah. don't even consider because of the social aspects. 
It's you know, amazing how intense the pressure is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Like mobility aids too, for me. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I needed them for years before I started using them and it's, it's just made such a huge difference, but yeah. chronic illness can teach you a lot and pandemics can teach you a lot. You know, th- there yeah. are good things that can come out of all of these awful things. It's really, it really is true. Like there's, there are silver linings and somebody comes into my little studio space and they're like, oh my gosh, it feels so good in here. And I love it in mm. here. And it's, you know, it's a really customized space that I visualized and it finally came to fruition. And I find myself saying things like, I don't love how I got here, <laughs> but I love it that I'm here. And I yeah. feel that way about um, a lot of my journey, you know, where it was like, I won't recommend <laughs> having a toxic injury if you can avoid it. <laughs> but, but what I have learned and what I have gained out of it, I I am so grateful that that there are so many amazing lessons to have been able to take on. And how, how has it changed your perception of life? That's a kind of a broad question, but I'm getting the sense that maybe the the way that this has altered your conception of your own mind body connection has mm-hmm. been fairly profound for you, and maybe mm-hmm. has trickled out beyond this chronic illness into your life in general. Yes. Um, my filters have changed. Just perceptions of the world have changed quite a bit. I would say my uh, relationship with myself primarily. Mm. So I would say that, you know, there's a, a part of me that is like, um, I, I want that last 10, 20%, you know, physical recovery, robust wellness, but there's another part of me that recognizes that in a lot of ways, I'm actually healthier now than I was before. So to not only look at, um, you know, what I can produce or what I can achieve or these things, markers as uh, indicators of my wellness, there are many measures of wellness. So I'm a lot more gentle with myself. I'm a lot, I give myself a lot more grace. I would say I do these things for other people as well. I am more intentional, more of the time. (laughs) Can't say I'm there all the time, but like in the, in the past pre-injury, I, I was, I loved my work. And so it was easy for me to get into this kind of workaholic type mode and make hay while the sun is shining and work 12 hour days and not, you know, use the bathroom or eat or, you know, not, not great habits. I just would kind of whip myself like a horse and just be like, I could just always reach for more. And there was just always more and until there wasn't until my body went bankrupt. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I can't relate my, to myself this way anymore. How, how do I establish a new relationship with myself? And so yeah. the um, finessing, learning, learning when to push, learning when to pull and learning when to rest and um, really looking out for that word push was when I'm pushing, I'm probably outside of my, uh, my window of tolerance yeah. And so like just kind of learning to go with it rather than fighting it has been 
um, pretty profound. I would say that in my retraining process, I would, um, there's like a, a spiritual piece that I'm more open to, and not in a formal religious type of way, but just in a, a universe and energetic kind of way. Mm. Um, and I really appreciate that opening. Um, and I just have, like in the past, I was always, I was always in a hurry. I was always late. I was always like with clients, I had one on deck and one in the hole and I was chronically 50, at least 15 minutes behind <laughs> and was uh, often in an adrenalized state without knowing it. I would just, that was my normal. So I didn't know. And, and now it's like when my clients come, I have a little space in between appointments. I might have some water, do a five minute meditation, um, if someone is running a couple minutes late, I'm not, I'm not anxious. I'm not, you know, I just feel like my whole, I'm a lot more patient. And I think I have, I thought it was a compassionate person before, but I have a much deeper compassion mm. and I feel like it has enhanced my, um, relatedness with people on a lot of levels and it's improved my listening and, I, uh, I've always cared about people. I love people, but I, I like, if I could love them more, I just love them more. Yeah. Would yeah. you, if you could go back in time and, and not experience this, uh, you know, this whole issue with chemical sensitivity and these mm -hmm. horrible years of illness, if you could go back and not experience that, would you make that choice? It depends on the day you ask me that. How <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it's something that I would probably, I would love the duration for it to be shorter, <laughs> <laughs> but in all truth, I would, there's a part of me that very much knows that if I didn't go, that if it didn't take me as long, like, especially in those really acute years that you know, when you're like in that bargaining spot, it's like, oh, if I could just be done with this in three months, or if I could just be done with this in six months, I know I would have gone right back to my previous lifestyle of working 12 hour days, mm. chronically running late, being just, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and fling to the gym and then fling to work and then fling, 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 fling all day and then fling home. And it, I just was flinging all over the place. I was, <laughs> like, <laughs> if you'd gotten better right away, you would have gone back to that and, and not learned these lessons about pacing and, and, and yeah. living in harmony with yourself. That, that harmonizing with yourself, like finding balance. And I feel like that that's kind of a moving target, but at least I know to look for the target. <laughs> It's, I would have tried to go, well, I'll avoid these really acutely bad chemicals, but I wouldn't have changed my lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if, if you could have made it maybe a little shorter, maybe you would have. That would have been nice. Yeah. yeah. But you wouldn't necessarily have made it short enough that you wouldn't get these, these life lessons out of it. Yeah. I'm really grateful for the lessons. I'm really yeah. grateful for the lessons I've gotten. I've learned more about me and I've learned so much about other people, like going back to, you know, my partner, I learned so much from him. We've been together for 10 years and going through this wow. experience was like, I just learned so much about him and he was a model for, 
for patience and the sort of gentle perseverance and, you know, be, be gentle and persistent. And um, yeah, and the way that, like we were talking about earlier, when you get to be the one that shares with someone, like, I'm going to reach out to this person because I, I don't know how this was for you, but I know how this was for me when I went through something similar. So people were reaching out to me and saying, you know, I went through something and people that you've known for a long time. And then you suddenly know them at another level. Mm. And now I feel like I get to reciprocate that. And, you know, whether it's just holding space for someone or, um, you know, making something accessible for someone in any way that I can, how can I make this environment more comfortable for you? Are you, you know, I was before it was like, if someone, I thought someone would just ask me for what they need. <laughs> I, I know I'm not always great at asking for what I need, totally. but, but I know to ask people to ask them if they need something, you know, is this how, so I have people that come and find me because they know that I can be accommodating in this way. They're like, I hear you do great hair. And, you know, I also am a chronic migraine sufferer. So I'm like, well, when you come in, I'll ask them, is this comfortable for you? Do you want music or no music? How is the light in here? Do you want me to turn these little twinkly <laughs> lights off? That's so I, cool. Well, I, I, it's like your practice now. Yeah. Part of your practice as a, as a hairstylist. It's that's so much so more cool. holistic. Yeah. yeah. The whole, it's the whole experience that's really meaningful to me. And awesome. that um, the connection is so important to me. And <laughs> it's for me, it's a running joke. I don't know if it's a joke to my clients, but they'll, you know, be deep in the haircut and we'll be having some heartfelt connection over something. And then they'll look up into the mirror and they'll go, Oh, this is, I really like where this is going. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the hair it's, the hair's going to look great. Anyway. So tell me how <laughs> is this video? <laughs> like it's the, it's the connection. That's, it's all important to me, but um, the environment I, I was, I was wildly light and sound sensitive. So I know what that feels like when, and I know what it felt like to, it felt like too much to ask, can we turn that down? Can we close that blind? The it's so having people come in and have time, like I'm not rushing them in and out of the door and having them feel safe and cared for is paramount for me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first heard about brain retraining, I did a little bit, a little bit of online digging and immediately saw Massive controversy surrounding mm. the topic. Is sure. that something that you've seen online? I am not surprised, but I haven't delved into it mm. because um, I haven't bothered. Yeah, you don't. It worked for you, so why? So why bother? It worked so well for me. I, I that even before it worked for me, I was ready to drink any Kool Aid that somebody had to offer, is if it helped me. Yeah, I was so desperate, and so. I mean, I would have done anything. <laughs> and um, so when I started the program, it was like, okay, I'm going to turn all of these other blinders off. I'm not going to try to reinvent this wheel. Like, okay, I'll do this, but I'll do it my way. I was like, I'm going to do this as prescribed and give it my all because I, I felt like I was running a out of options, but two, once I had the explanation, it made so much sense to me mm. and I could see myself so much in the people who were sharing 
about the program, like their personal recovery stories um, that I just thought I'm going to go all in with it and not pay attention to distractions. Yeah. Awesome. And, you know, from, from my perspective, I just always love sharing stories of people who have found something that helped and Mm. it's going to be different for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not an authority on anything other than my own journey, you know, and (laughs) some things have worked for me and other things haven't. But the more I do this podcast, the more I hear like different things that have worked for different people. And it's not going to be the same from person to person. And for someone who's in a desperate state who will try anything, I just want to provide as many options as possible. And when I hear from someone, hey, this worked for me, that's all that I need to say, hey, Mm -hmm. let's share that because mm-hmm. it might work for someone else. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate you sharing sharing today and sharing this aspect of your life story, something that was really profound and had such a positive impact. I'm thrilled to be able to, to hear that from you and to share that to other people. But I have one Thank more question you. for you. So for someone who's in that desperate state, for someone mm-hmm. who's really struggling uh, to see any hope for the future, you've been there, you know what mm-hmm. it feels like, Mm-hmm. but you made it through. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you could say to someone in that state that you think might help? Since I have been in such a largely recovered state and people have seen me through that process and they would say things like, you know, that I'm so proud of you. This is so great for you. You never lost hope, which is not accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I definitely lost hope. And on a number of occasions, but that is the thing about hope is that you can, that you can find it. Mm. Like that's what hope is. Right. And so I would say, don't lose hope, but go find, go find hope. So when you are, when you, when I would lose hope, I would be like, okay, well, what can I, what can I do right now? I would focus on what I can do. That means, okay, I'm going to watch more recovery stories. I'm going to read more books about people's incredible recoveries, whether it had anything to do with my type of journey or not like this, you know, chronic, um, uh, like chronic illness, but I would watch Ted talks of people having all kinds of recovery stories, like anything like that. I would think, why not me? Why not me? So that's what I, I would, I would, um, Anything that I could do to get re-inspired, that's what I would do. Yeah. And just knowing what that is for yourself. Yeah. That's a great message that when you lose hope, go find it. I love I love that. That's fantastic. It's out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's also important to know that it's okay to lose hope. Yes. I think that it's 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 an important part of the process. It doesn't mean it's a, it's not a failure. There's nothing, it's nothing that you're doing. I know I felt like I was doing something wrong because like I couldn't make this progress no matter how hard I was trying. And like that there was a deficit on my part and some of it can just be the thing that, that clicks that builds on all of the, the other things that you've already done. It's like trying to strike a match. You could be striking the same match and it won't spark, won't spark, won't spark. And then one time it does. Mm. Like it can be, sometimes it's just that. Sometimes it's listening to a very similar message from a different voice. Like when you're in school and you have a teacher that 
teaches math and you're like, well, I never really liked math until you had that one teacher that delivered it in a way that resonated with you more. Doesn't necessarily make them a better or worse teacher, but it was what resonated with you that made it click. Totally. Yeah. Can I, um, I'm tempted to read you a quick list of some of the common conditions from that um, DNRS uh, approaches with their with their limbic system yeah, retraining. Sure. Approach. Yeah. So this is a list of conditions that that brain retraining may be beneficial for. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there are, there are some beyond this, but this is like kind of the the top. baseline. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So they are uh, anxiety, chronic fatigue syndrome or ME, uh, mold illness, SIRS, chronic pain long COVID, dysautonomia, electrical hypersensitivity syndrome, fibromyalgia, food sensitivities, post-chronic COVID-19 symptoms, Lyme disease, MCAS, mast cell activation syndrome, PTSD, POTS, and multiple chemical sensitivities. Yeah, interesting. And from what I'm getting, so for someone like me, Several of my potential diagnoses are on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, if someone had approached me and said, hey, you could do brain retraining and not be sick anymore, I yeah, would have been pissed. Offended. Offended, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But after talking to you today, the impression I'm getting is that the whole idea of this brain retraining is to make what you're experiencing more tolerable and more bearable and to give you tools with which to to feel more joy and to feel more calmness and then because of that you might see some health benefit we're not saying like hey i'm going to cure you by making you think different it's saying hey let's try this thing to see if you can have some health benefit inside you know you have chemical sensitivity right and we're not saying that like think positive and your symptoms will go it's not that it's not that yeah yeah they come they come right out and say that this is not a positive thinking program yeah it's not that but your thoughts do affect your brain and your body communicate with each other and it's a two-way street your brain gives your body direction and your body gives your brain direction and if they're playing this weird game of telephone that's getting disoriented as the messages go on and on it's like we need to clean up those lines of communication and so they teach you why and how and how that and how that relates yeah totally conditions yeah and it's funny because you know through the history of this podcast something i have said over and over is joy is cumulative and if you are feeling sick all the time find moments of joy throughout the day and give yourself reasons to feel good and over time, you start to feel better yes, because you're feeling more joy all the time. And it's very similar to the way that you described this, something that I kind of came to through trial and error and lots of sadness and lots of mm-hmm. illness. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me a lot of how you described that. So I, I, really, I really appreciate you uh, sharing your journey and recontextualizing um, how I understand what brain retraining is. It's very cool. Before we, before we part, please share with us, you know, where we can, people can find you online. If you'd like to share any social media, or if you'd like to share um, where people can find your business, if they're in your area, um, feel free to share anything at all. Okay. Uh, 
let's see on i am on TikTok once in a while. <laughs> I don't even know what my handle is, Jesse. Uh, tiger, tiger eyeliner. Tiger eyeliner, which I remember because okay. I love it. It's a great handle. <laughs> and I am also on Instagram. I am at wildlife.is.the.good.life. Wildlife is the good life. <laughs> and sometimes I make some you know, it's, uh, you'll see some of my wildlife photography, you'll see hair photos, you'll see um, some of my goofy videos. It's a, it's a broad net, uh, what I share. I, I don't, I sometimes share about my, um, my journey on there, but not a ton. There's a part of me that's sort of been waiting to be more deeply deeply recovered to Mm. shout it from the rooftops sure absolutely i totally get that Mm -hmm. and then um my hair studio is called the wildlife studio and i am in bellingham washington and so if you are in the surrounding area and you would love to uh you know inquire about any of my services or offerings i don't know how to let you go is there a link or something that i can Yeah, I can share a link with the in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Great. Yeah, send it over and I'll I'll pop it in there. Awesome. Honestly, probably contacting me on Instagram, like direct messaging me that way is probably the best way to be connected. Cool. And I will uh, tag you on Instagram and TikTok when I release the episode for the listeners who are following major pain podcasts on both of those platforms. Um, Yeah, I can't thank you enough for for sharing your time and your story with us. You did such an awesome job. I've learned a ton. You've really changed the way I think about brain retraining and my understanding of it, as I said, and I really appreciate that. So Meredith, awesome, awesome job today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me and for being so generous and for having such an amazing platform and sharing that with the world. It's, it's really tremendous what you're doing. thank Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick, and our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpain. Podcast.